Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Hello, listeners. I'm so honored to have our guest today, which is Ben Warfield of Mithras Candle Company. Ben Warfield is a researcher and maker of light. He has been a key member of the light research program at Jefferson University for over a decade, contributing to the study of biological effects of light on humans for private companies such as Philips, Panasonic, and Robert, as well as national and international governmental agencies such as NASA and the Department of Energy. Ben also explores the connections between light and health as CEO of the Philadelphia-based Mithras Candle Company. Together with his partner, Sochi, Mithras focuses on sustainability, philanthropy, and history, centering on beeswax in particular, Mithras makes candles that awaken our connection to the ancient world and celebrate spirit and community. In our conversation, we dive into the connection of science and the ancient ones with our ancestors. We talk about technology of light um, and how it's connected to these ancient um, spaces. We discuss beeswax and the human circadian rhythm system, as well as some tips and tricks on how to keep our candles in the best condition. If you are enjoying our podcast, it is funded by my Patreon membership group, which is patreon.com forward slash bewitching. And the tiers start at only $5 a month. We connect monthly um, for live tarot readings, which also includes a zine that connects with all the episodes of the month to kind of give you something solid and to, to touch and feel. And then we also offer full moon circles uh, in that Patreon group, as well as as in-depth readings by me. So if this is something that you enjoy, um, please think about supporting and contributing to the podcast. And with that, let me know what you think about our episode and we'll get to it. Welcome to Bewitching the Home, where we explore holistic interior design and its influence on all areas of our mind, body, and spirit. We discuss practices in creating sacred space in alignment with our higher selves and feature conversational explorations with special guests and ventures through the realm of mindfulness, holistic approaches to design, wellness in the home, and sustainability. I'm your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of Bewitching the Home. I am so excited to have Ben with us from Mithras Candle. I've been a huge um, fan of these gorgeous beeswax candles. They're like, when I opened up my, um, the box and I had all of them in there and you just touch them and they're just like so delicate and decadent and just like, it's it's just like this beautiful frosting of wax, like pour it all over it. It's just so, 
so pretty. I just like, I want to hug them and like sleep with them and, and all the things. And they're just so special. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank, thank you, you so much. It's so wonderful to be here. And thank you for that praise. Yes. I mean, you could just tell like from photos from before I even touched them, like how, how magical um, and how enriched with love they, they are. Because, you know, these things all, you know, all things have these auras and these spirits about them and you can really feel it. When you when you even just seeing it in a photo so let's get started i'm gonna go ahead and ring our bell i'm gonna light our candle just to set our ambiance and then uh, we'll take a look and see what we're what we're drinking we'll pull a card and then we'll we'll get into this so just to kind of get us into the mindful space taking a beautiful breath i'll light this candles so excited for. That's beeswax for you. It takes a long time to light. So good. <laughs> it's a very high melting point. Yes. <laughs> and just like watching it last night, I was just staring into these candles for about an hour. I mean, it's like a whole meditation and just it just gets you into the moment and it makes you slow down, right? Like beeswax takes a while to light. So it's like you're like looking at this little flicker and then like, is it going to catch? Is it going to catch? And then once it does, it's just, it's magical. Yeah, it slowly illuminates. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. I was gonna say on your comment on meditate on meditation as the can looking at the candle flame. Yeah, that's a whole form of meditation called tr trataka. Okay. So amazing. We did. Um, it's like form of yoga. Yeah. We did in our our Patreon group. We did a candle gazing uh, meditation. Um, I think it was last August. Excellent. Yeah, connecting with fire. Uh, but you know what I what I did notice when I was staring last night is that your flame has like a violet color in it. And I've never seen that before. It's like a purple mm -hmm. versus like, I've seen the blue, like on the mattress, it's like very blue. And this has just like a purple violet color to it. It's incredible. Anyway. Oh, wow. I, I have to confess, I, I, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, it's insane. If you <laughs> like stare into it, it's it, there's at the very base, it's violet. It's it's purple. It's not blue. It's it's a very pretty purple. Um, wow. Yeah, it's magic. <laughs> so cool. Are these are doing something? They're doing something. <laughs> I don't know what, but it's got something something juicy in there. Uh, okay, so let's let's. Uh, I'm curious. What do you what do you got in your brew? What's happening over there? So um, I have to confess, it's not very exciting. Uh, the teas I tend to go for, especially this time of year on the East Coast, it's very cold and gloomy here. Mm -hmm. As we uh, wrap up winter, we just can't wait for spring. And uh, I tend to drink peppermint tea. So this is an organic mm -hmm. peppermint. Um, and I also like uh, Tulsi Rose is good too. I okay. find myself drinking Tulsi Rose to help with the heart chakra this time of year. That's fantastic. So I've got... Um, what are you drinking? I've got a tea made by Paru, of course, because she's my favorite. So Amy at Paru is a local person here that does magical teas. And we were getting together in, I think it was 2019, and we would create moon circles together. And we would infuse, like, create tea in this big circle um, that was connected to the moon. So this one's called New Moon uh, in Leo. 
and it's got elderflower, Rory Bros, uh, lemon peel, orange peel, and marigold. And I was inspired to pull this one just because of your logo and the lion and, you know, that that sun energy. And I thought that oh, that wow. was like... Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, it looks like lion's mane, sort of. It's got that energy yeah, and that color. It's so rad. So anyway, that your your candle inspired um, all of that. I'm drinking. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much intention that could be put into everything that we do, and I and it, for me, it's about you know connecting with ritual, looking at things in our spaces. I'm the type of person that just goes to the next thing to the next thing, and I'm like on like I feel like I'm on fire constantly, and I'm just you know, running forward and, and tea helps me <laughs> slow down. But also like thinking about like just tapping into intuition, like what does my body want right now? Like what tea am I being called to to drink? And that helps me slow down. And then of course having to, to do the water and the loose leaf. And then I'm like, you know, staring into the tea leaves. And so it's a whole, a whole thing. Are you a, are you a fire sign by chance? No, you I'm all air. You felt like you were on fire a lot. Yeah, but I do have a Leo moon. Oh, I okay. I have a Leo moon. <laughs> but it's all air. Okay. There's all right. no, I have no earth go. at all. Like it's non-existent in my chart. So the air, the air oxygen fuels the fire. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like nonstop. Go, go, go. So that's, so I have to have like these little tools to help me stay in the moment. Okay. So the next thing we're doing is I'm pulling cards because I love to pull cards. I usually will pull cards whenever I'm doing like a Reiki session or I'm doing a home clearing or you know, just on Instagram in general. So I'm using um, the Inkwitch Tarot deck by um, Eric Eric um, Mele. And um, he has come on to um, the Patreon as well and, and got to share his work. And it's all these, these gorgeous like watercolor pieces. Oh, wow, so, that is beautiful. Yeah, he's pretty rad. So I thought I would connect us with his car what we've got for today so this card's going to be for anyone that that watches the podcast or listens to it um, it's your card and then for us it's just kind of getting us connected with some ancient wisdom or some some information from our guides that are wanting to connect with us and this is the knight of swords <laughs> so beautiful so knight of swords for me is that energy of like going into battle and just like sh charging in and just moving so fast this is fast air energy of just like um the space of um, the mind logic you know connecting and what i'm also hearing is that connecting with aquarian energy which is you know the energy of of connecting the world together they're the inventors or the ones that are coming up with new concepts they're always outside the box like they're you know 10 steps ahead so i feel like even talking about lighting today, that is like a technology, right? It's a, it's a logic, it's a thing, it's a, it's a new way of, of connecting and doing. And and then we have the crow there, of course, which is all the magic. It's awesome. The crow is uh, sort of the symbol of my, one of my spiritual teachers. Oh. Uh, so it's nice to see. Yeah, they are here definitely to connect with us. Um, so I would love to know, I know you're not here locally um, in San Diego, in Sanitas, which is where I'm at. I'm on the, the West Coast. And so Ben, you're on you're on the East Coast. So <laughs> tell me about like, what does home mean for you right now? And, and what does that look like? Yeah, uh, home has transformed so totally for me in just the last year. I, for a while, 
I was living for many years. I started, Mithras Candle started in a bedroom and then it moved into the a basement workshop. So it took up most of the whole basement of my old row home. Okay. And I went through a lot of life transformations at once, just a total midlife explosion awakening, like spiritually and my former marriage ended. Uh, my mom had a stroke. I, Mithras really took off, like all these things sort of were just like a lot of transformational energy. Wow. And I found myself uh, meeting my partner, Sochi, who is a practicing witch for decades. And I told her, look, I'm really interested in this stuff. You know, I, uh, Pam Grossman, who you might know from the mm -hmm. scene of the, the Witch Way podcast, uh, she was a friend that sort of encouraged Mithras to grow and helped us grow. And I became really interested in the esoteric and when I met her, she was just someone who always, her ultimate goal was making home. And it was something that I always wanted to make. Uh, I know, sorry, this is a bit of a long-winded No, answer, I love it. But it's very, <laughs> it's like something that's seriously in my mind right now. And the home I was in was not really true to my authentic self. And I think that was part of what I was experiencing. And I met this amazing partner in like all aspects of life. And we were like, whoa, you, you want to make a home? Like, I want to make a home. Let's just go for it and just really do something a little crazy and also <laughs> very courageous, you know, yeah. and brave. And we didn't know that the pandemic was coming. This was like a year before the pandemic. And we just went for it in like every aspect. We were like, you know, let's try to merge our households. Let's try to find a big, crazy fixer upper. To So now we're living, for me, home is, it's so different than like I was in a tiny, not, I don't want to say tiny, but it was like a 1400 square foot yeah. row home, pretty standard in Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, two bedrooms, one and a half bathrooms, basement, nice little yard with a garden. Now, now Sochi and I have like manifested this eight bedroom what? colonial. <laughs> and it's, it's us and her two children from her previous marriage. Now we have a baby on the way no who's way. coming in a month. Yeah. And my two elderly parents are also living us. So we have elders with us and we have a dog and a cat. So it's just like, a wild commune sitcom in Mount Airy neighborhood of Philadelphia. Wow. And we're just going for it. <laughs> You've got an abundant of life happening. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I, we, one of the things we're focusing on now specifically, if, if people want to like something specific to focus mm -hmm. on is that we're building an ancestor wall in our new home. Cause it uh. feels really important as a way to integrate. So we have a picture of like the previous homeowner who was there for like 80 years. And Mount Airy is really cool because it's a historically very diverse neighborhood. It's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in the country. There's a lot of black and Jewish families that purposefully decided to keep it integrated mm -hmm. for like 60 years. And um, so we were honoring the family that was before us. And we're also honoring like my history and her family history and my parents, like everyone that lives in the house. If they have an ancestor that's important to them, it goes on the wall. Oh so that's something that we're doing at the home, which is really awesome. And just having so much space to work with. I was just talking to Sochi this morning. It's kind of mind blowing to feel so expansive and to feel like there are so many possibilities. And before we were always in tiny spaces. So it was really easy to be like, bam, 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 yeah. let's knock this out. Like in one, in one year or two years, you're all done and everything's great. And you, but with this kind of space, it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's a marathon. It's yourself. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you yeah. all, if, if you're open to it, I would love to share a photo of that ancestor wall. 
um, with all yeah, the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, when it's done, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah that would sure. be amazing just to kind of, because, you know, and and we'll talk uh, in the podcast later too about, um, you know, the direction of the ancestors in feng shui is, um, is the east. So uh, when we come into that episode, we'll be talking just about this, you know, creating this ancestor wall or this altar or this thing that's in connection to that to that direction whether it's in the room or wow. it's you know in the house or whatever it is they're all looking east at the sunrise Are i they? don't know i don't know if that which direction it works is it like the wall has to face the east or is the wall in the east you think like, it's the wall like in the left east, or but right yeah exactly uh, okay. but i love that okay. they're watching the sun rise you know that there's they're facing yeah. that direction and and for me it's all about the intention behind whatever it is that we're okay. bringing in so it's not like you know you have to do it exactly like this it's like what makes the most sense and and how does it flow with the rest of our house and and where you know yeah you know what i mean so it's i'm not so rigid when it comes to certain things that's nice it's nice to know there's some wiggle room because yes. that's where the fireplace is and otherwise we'd have to put the couch in front of the fireplace <laughs> and then see that that's not gonna work <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah so like each face Be nice is and cozy yeah yeah, exactly. I know you'll be burning up just sitting there, but uh, yeah, each place is so different. <laughs> and yeah, totally. uh, so, yeah, so it's like when we come in and we take a look at it, I'm like, okay, well, what makes the most sense here? And, you know, does this feel good? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll send a photo. It's it's going to be a process. Yeah. I imagine like a couple months to really finish yeah. with everything that's going on. Uh, amazing. And I love that you are speaking of your elders also living with you. My mom just uh, moved in with us at the, the link of a little guest house down below. And that was really unexpected, um, but lovely. You know, she's she's actually getting out of a, a horrible relationship. So it's it's nice to be able Good. to, you know, support her in, in a way and to have her integrated with our, we have two boys. And um, so it's just cool, like having all these oh, different- congrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so neat. So I'm glad that you, you mentioned it's that. It's so nice to have yeah. How old are your boys? Uh, nine and 11. Oh, okay. So it is nice to still have grandmom's help. With oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's always great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when you were creating, um, so how did you how did you connect with candles and, and the work of the bees? And how did all of this come come about? Like what, what was the, the catalyst or the inspiration behind it all? It's sort of a wild story. I... I, my background originally, I have an undergraduate degree in fine art uh, from the University of the Arts here in Philadelphia. It used to be the College of Art and Design. Um, and I sort of hung out there and did, was interested in anything relating to, to imaging. So like photography, film, did some animation. And I, I've always loved music. My real, I think back then my real goal was to do ambient music and film score music. And, uh, but I actually ended up hanging out towards the end with a lot of graphic designers who did a lot of imaging work and I got familiar with Photoshop and things like that. I had a, a few years of just sort of trying to have a record label and oh things gosh. like that, as you do in your 20s. Yeah. And I, I sort of, I ran into somebody that worked uh, at the light research program at Thomas Jefferson University, which is a medical school here in Philadelphia. And they were like, you should come in and check out this study that we're doing. We stare at this colored light in the middle of the night. It's really trippy. And, uh, you know, they pay you money <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so uh, I went and I 
I actually did the study and while I was there, I, I made friends with the people who were running it just by being curious like I am as an air sign, as a Gemini. Yeah. And I found out that they were big space nerds like I was and the study was actually for NASA. It was oh a precursor God. study to look at the different effects of uh, colored light on the human sleep hormone melatonin. So even though I had a, an arts background, I ended up starting to freelance for them to do imaging work. So like processing graphs and figures, helping Dr. Brainerd, who ran the whole lab, convert his old Kodachrome slides into, mm. you know, digital stuff. Um, he's a whole interesting character. He's sort of a mentor to me, both in the scientific world, but also spiritual, because he considers himself a, a research scientist. He's very well known in the wow. field of photobiology. Okay which is uh, the how light affects humans and other mammals. and uh, But he's also a mystic, and he studied at the Edgar Cayce Research Society mm -hmm. in Virginia Beach, Virginia. He's had some profound spiritual experiences, and he helped to start the Yoga Research Society at Jefferson, which at the time was very frowned upon. It was, yoga was not accepted in the 80s and the 90s the way it is now right. by the medical, you know, the, the medical community, like mainstream science. Uh, he even had to change the name of it for a while to study it into mindfulness-based meditation, even oh, though yeah. it was yoga, traditionally <laughs> yoga. Uh, and now it's widely accepted, but I just think of him as very brave and I feel very lucky and, and or guided by spirit into yeah. where I've been. And he was the one that sort of got me interested in light, not just scientifically, but as this sort of metaphysical concept. And as we were studying, it's so ironic, we were studying the cutting edge of light for space travel. How does, oh you know, the astronauts go around the earth, like when they're in the space station, every 45 minutes, they have a sunrise and a sunset. So their circadian rhythms are really disrupted. So we were trying to use light to sort of simulate an earth day and sort of ground them more wow. into the cycles that they're more used to. And uh, while we were doing this, I sort of like, I don't know why, but we got to talking about ancient light sources. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was curious about how humans evolved. I'm like, wow, if electric light affects us like this, like, I wonder how fire light does. And then I fell down a candle hole, sort of, <laughs> just studying, like, I studied like, you know, campfire effects and gas lamps and everything. And, and I found candles and specifically it was, they were like a new lighting technology. We don't, I don't really think of them like that, yeah. but lighting technology kind of went from like fire, which like torches, to then tallow candles, which was like animal fat or animal fat lamps. And then um, candles were sort of a new technology. Only about 2000 years ago, they were invented. And specifically, it was when they started finding materials that were like waxes that where the fats could sort of become more solid at room temperature. So specifically beeswax. The only problem was that at the time, beeswax was very expensive because it took so much manual labor to get uh, a small amount of it. So your average hive gives you only about two pounds a year. So it was a material reserved for the the sort of elite class and for special occasions like temple ceremonies and things. But I, I found in my research on candles, I heard about this ancient Roman mystery cult uh, that worshiped a God called Mithras. Uh -huh. So Mithras used to be a Persian God. Uh, Mithras was female and she was sort of the goddess of light and renewal. And then uh, the Persian Empire interacted with the Roman, the Romans, and they, uh, myth, myth. I'm sorry. When it, she was Persian, she was Mithra. So uh -huh. Mithra became Mithras, and it became masculine. <laughs> but they were in these underground temples, 
in this sort of mystery cults with different hierarchies, not not dissimilar to sort of the Masons. Yeah. But they burned a lot of like torches and the, the air was very sooty and just smelled bad. I mean, the tallow reeds at the time smell, it smelled, everything smelled like French fries. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then all of a sudden beeswax comes into the steam and it smells great. It is not very sooty. And, and it lasts for a really long time. So it was this great new lighting technology for worshiping different deities in underground wow. temples. And that's kind of stuck with me. And that's sort of where our um, our brand came from. Beautiful. And then- I wanted to invoke this connection for our customers with like that, with the ancients, you know? Yeah, I mean, they definitely have this ancient um, feel to them. It, you know, again, it's like connecting to the ancestors and connecting to the fire and the light that they would have seen at that time. And like, you know, just turning off all the lights at night and just connecting with that fire. It's just a way to to reconnect with, with those ancient roots and another practice that is just so magical. Um, so tell me, how did the, the lion yeah. and, and the icon and all of that come to be and, and would any any of you have I don't have the label but if you can show us um what's on there because it's yeah that sure itself uh, is so here insane. we have one of our black candles yeah it's a lion here not not dissimilar to what you might see with Leo mm -hmm. and that's actually important uh, and then there's a star above and the lion has a little it's hard to see here but it has a little bee in its mouth and so to the worshipers of Mithras uh the constellations were really important so Leo was one of the constellations that was, the ceiling of the Mithraic temples were like planetariums. Okay. And each constellation had spiritual significance to them, as well as sort of relating to the, the, the steps that they would take as a student in the cult. They would work their way through seven tiers. And one of the tiers, I believe it's tier four, was Leo. And uh, when I was first studying Mithras, there, were a, there was a lot of iconography to choose, but that was the one that called to me, which is interesting because my sun sign is Gemini and uh, my moon, I think, is Sagittarius. I don't really have a lot of Leo, but mm -hmm. I was just really drawn to that symbol. Yeah, so that symbol called to me. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why. I think it was the bee because I, it made me sort of brought everything around back to beeswax. And the, bee, the bees were a sacred symbol to the Romans and to a lot of ancient cultures because of honey mm -hmm. and because they uh, symbolized, symbolized uh, the goddess of renewal, I believe. Was it Miel? Was that her name? I can't remember. I but there were, gods, there were gods and goddesses associated with bees and they've just been sacred to us for thousands of years. And it just made sense. Yeah. So <laughs> did, you, did you see the lion with the bee in its mouth? elsewhere or was that something that you kind of put together um the star being above it i added it was just the line with the bee in its mouth was from i when i first started out i was trying to find all the material i could on the mithraic cults and what the only thing i could really come across with a high enough quality was this 17th century scan of a 17th century manuscript and that was one of the illustrations in wow. it and it was it, talking about one of the tiers of of the mithraic cults and so that's where it came from. And then we added the star. I love it. Oh, it's just so, so beautiful. Yeah, and I just yeah. love the simplicity of it. It just, it, it, it speaks volumes just by looking at it and connecting with it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys like totally killed it on the branding. Cool. <laughs> I like to think that the lion's not not hunting the bee because I guess if you really get in there, it's a little gruesome maybe, but <laughs> that, I don't know. I like to think of it in a more positive light. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people like to get really goth with it. They're like, the lion's totally eating the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe okay. it's just holding it in its mouth and he's just like, you know, playing with it a little bit. <laughs> uh, just to speak to bees a little bit more, as as I came more into uh, candle technology, I found that beeswax was sort of something that's been around for thousands of years and it's always sort of be considered the best for candles because uh, one, it's renewable because it comes from bees. So you can work with bees as a bee farmer, Yeah, you know, work in symbiosis with them. Now, granted, some people have feelings of wild bees versus domesticated. The honeybees we have today are domesticated right. animals. So some people have feelings about that. Vegans, I totally understand it. But if you don't feel that way, uh, bees, we've been working with bees as humans for thousands of years, and it's a great renewable source to make a light from. And though it does emit, candlelight does emit carbon into the air, it's offset by using it as a renewable, sustainable material. So that's something that really called to me. That's why I love beeswax. Yeah, and so do you, are you working directly with, with bee farmers? Yeah, so we work with bee farmers. We It took years of doing research and we're, we basically went around to beekeeper uh, conferences or symposiums, I guess you'd call okay. them, in the area, in the mid-Atlantic region. And we would, that's where everyone gathers. So everyone who has bees who is serious about it gathers there. And we just went up to them and were like, who does your wax? A lot of them don't do wax extraction because it's such a big step after extracting the honey. It's sort of an afterthought. And to really gather it and filter, it takes a lot of time and effort. But we did find some people and that's who we're working with. And it's always an ongoing process because there's a lot more candle makers now than when we started mm -hmm. seven years ago. And beeswax is a hot commodity. Yeah. So it's really, it's like anything else. It's just, you have to know your source and develop a relationship with your sources and, and nurture it. Yeah, relationships are huge. Um, you know, and then this year being a lover's year with the tarot and, and, and just like even in my practice as a designer, you know, my relationships I've been building for over 17 years. And it's like, I have my people that I connect with and who will bend over backwards when, you know, working with me. And so that's, that's huge. I, I just love that you have, you know, solidified your relationships with these beekeepers and knowing that, you know, this thing with, with beeswax is such a hot thing, but you've, you know, you've created this, this beautiful culture with the people that you work with. There's meaning behind it. You know, there's, it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, I, I think there's a thing happening in candle making right now where there's a lot of uh, throwing around of the term natural materials, like natural waxes. Mm -hmm. And if there's just something I could mention right now, a lot of people use soy and I don't, I don't wanna go get down on soy. I'm happy yeah. that any people can are making candles and they're successful and having small business and making money for their family. But soy wax is a really uh, it's not really a natural wax. It's actually kind of paraffin by a different name. So uh. they, everyone knows that soybeans are one of the most popular crops. They're sort of a monocultural crop and a, a lot of U.S. farmers grow them. So that's, it's a great material to get that's made in our country. But uh, soybean wax is fats from the soybean and they don't just burn. You can't just like pour, pour soybean oil that you extract and light it like into a lamp and light it on fire. <laughs> What they actually do is take the soybean fats and they put it into a high pressure chamber and they inject all kinds of um, petroleum distillate gases like butane and hexane that are already processed out of oil extraction. And then at that high heat and high temperature, it bonds with the fats in the soybean and that's how they make the soy wax. So it's not natural really at all. And it was a wax that we started working with mm -hmm. and because we get a lot of requests for scented candles, 
And beeswax is so dense that it holds onto scents really tight. Yeah. So it's not the best for scented candles. But we had to make a really difficult decision to cut out all our scented candles at least and not use soy wax because once we found out what it actually is, where it comes from, you know, even though it hit our bottom line a little bit, it's just more important to us to work with something that's renewable and sustainable. Yeah. So that is one of the challenges I see like moving forward with with businesses is like as we strive to be more sustainable and more renewable, mm-hmm. we run into limits because the natural world has limits like human beings have limits. It's something that isn't often discussed in capitalism. It's like everything is limitless. Yeah. You know, as long as there's a demand for your candles, keep making them. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I just think that's it's something to talk about, something that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember like um, just working with beeswax as I, in my own ritual, um, you know, I'll get beeswax sheets locally here in San Diego. There's a, there's a place that they harvest their own wax from their bees and he's been doing it for, I don't know how long, decades. And so I'll, you know, make ritual beeswax candles, but there's something you know extremely special about touching the wax and letting it like get into your hands and and i've just been anointing them with like you know essential oils and herbs and and creating in that way and there's just awesome. there's just something so different yeah, we about encourage it. people to do that there's so much you can do with a candle even if, if it's just a simple beeswax pillar you can anoint it with oils you can anoint it with dried herbs uh you can carve into it with candle carving tools put sigils on it there's yeah. so much you can do once customers get it, uh, we, we, we're definitely interested in that stuff, but it's just sort of a time trade-off of oh, like for sure. how, so how much do we want to do to a candle before we <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, I was looking at your Instagram and you had those uh, those um, those tapered ones with all the herbs and stuff on it. Can you tell me about those magical um, things that you make? I mean, that to me, I was like, whoa, that's like a whole nother level. Oh yeah, so sometimes we'll do, what we will do is for special giveaways and just events, we'll, go a little bit further and do something like that. I think the ones that you were referring to were, I'm looking around to see if I have any here. I don't think I do. I think they're at home. But were the witch tapers, I believe, yes. which was mullen stalks yes. dipped in beeswax? Yeah. Yeah, those were a huge hit. Uh, I think next year we have a source of like wild harvested mullen that we can rely on and we do a limited amount of that. But yeah, that was huge. The witch tapers, also known as hags tapers, were really popular in uh, Eastern Europe and in Northern Europe. Uh, during this around Samhain because mm-hmm. that's when the mullen is starting to dry out. So you mullen is an awesome herb. It's great for respiratory illness and it really kind of was really interesting. A lot of the herbalists I know were talking about how mullen was just going ham in the U.S. and North America this year when COVID hit. And then they were like, this is like nature's response to knowing that this thing is needed. This wow. herb is needed, which kind of blew my mind. I was, I was seeing it everywhere and I still kind of am. And we just, yeah, when the stalks get dry, you cut them off and they can be tiny or they can be really big and they soak the beeswax up almost like a sponge. And they're just, you just light them on fire like a tiki torch and just stick them right in the ground. And they're great for outdoor ceremony. If you burn them indoors, they definitely should be smaller and they should be in some kind of like container with stones or or sand or something that's fire retardant because they are they get wild. <laughs> they are a torch. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, just looking at those, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. They, you know, they're just like pulling me in. I'm like, holy crap. That's awesome. Um, it's so fun to make stuff like that. But, um, but it, again, it's like you, there's limits on what you can harvest sustainably and 
So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the, that's the goal of it, right? It's to be sustainable and, and to connect and then just show that, you know, that nature yep. only creates certain things at certain times of the year. And like you appreciate them and you celebrate them. And then, you know, we, we, we move on to the other things and there's so much magic in the mundane in, in the simplicity. And I love how pure your candles are. Um, it's just, it's just that purity. It's that, it's that solid core of just like, to me, it's almost like just taking a piece of the sun or a light and the bee magic. And that's all you need, but we don't need to like complicate it with all these different scents and all these other things. Um, so I just really appreciate that for sure. Yeah. What you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's sort of that, I, I, I don't know. It's, I think of it as more of an, an Eastern ideal of just like do a couple things really well instead of trying to do everything. Oh yeah. No, I, I feel it. I'm like, for. yeah, I'm like all over. Yeah. So it's like zero in, refocus, re, you know, reconnect. And then, yeah, let's, let's do it right. Um, and yeah. the first time. Um, but I wanted to go back to you talking about NASA and getting those astronauts back into their um, circadian rhythms. And I feel like I'm doing that, you know, in, yeah. in homes and with lighting in general. And, and lighting is a big um, question that I get from everybody about like, how do I light my home properly? And, you know, all of us hate the the sort of fluorescent blue light. And I'm in California and, and the, um, the laws here are so strict because everything has to be energy efficient and uh, I can't even buy certain bulbs Yeah. in California. Like I'll connect with, you know, yep. these companies and they, it's against the law for them to even sell it to me. So like, if we want to get around any of that, you know, there's Isn't things that, that we have wild? to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep worrying about candles getting regulated and I'm just crossing my fingers because I, I, I obviously I believe in health and energy efficiency. It's so important. I believe in climate change. We need to move towards energy efficiency mm -hmm. and renewables. At the same time, fluorescent lights really suck. Uh, most LEDs that are affordable kind of suck. Uh, and, and I'll be specific about what I, when I use that word, <laughs> what I mean by that, but they're very blue and red. And uh, you know, if, if you're someone who grew up as we did with incandescent lights, they're so warm and they don't flicker like other lights do. And that's really nice. And it's very close, or at least closer than other light sources like LED and fluorescent to fire, which is what we evolved with for hundreds of thousands of years as humans. So not having a light source that's warm is very, it feels very unnatural to yeah. our bodies. And and the same thing with like our, with, you know, when I'm specking lights, you know, dependent on, on where these lights are going and how they're being used. And I'm just thinking about lights and, you know, we, we use lights more in the evening, right? So we're, we're coming down. So for me, it's about connecting with the warmer light. And I'll always tell people, you know, my ideal is a, a 2,700 Kelvin um, light temperature versus, you know, a 3,000 up to a five, which is like really, really blue. <laughs> That is so awesome. I feel like we'd be, we're best friends now. <laughs> <laughs> That's also my favorite. That's yeah. also my favorite color temperature. Yeah, yeah, it just has that warmness to it. But I will say that they are coming out with some new LEDs that are much more advanced and they also have a thing called warm dim. So with warm dim, it is about two times, three times the amount of money as, as the other ones. But basically as it dims, it dims to a warm light versus just slowly giving you less of the blue light, it actually dims down to a, a really warm glow. Yep. Um, which is for rad. This is blowing my mind because I remember starting at the lab 20 years ago and I was literally in the US laboratory, Dr. Brainerd's 
light research program where he made the discovery. I haven't really gotten into this, but it's all this research and all all the changes that are happening in lighting come back to this discovery made in our laboratory in 2001. God. The paper was published in the Journal of Neuroscience that there is another uh, photoreceptor in the back of the eye that was before that point undiscovered. And it's called the intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cell. And that just means it's a cell in the back of your retina, just like your cones, which see color. Mm -hmm. You have red, green, and blue cones, and 4% of women have an extra cone that let them see uh, between green and red. And it makes them awesome color discriminators. Wow. So women are, always trust women with your color choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you say but, that. Um, yeah. Because a and lot men tend to be more colorblind. Too. Yes, yeah. that's what I was just about so. to say is a lot of the clients that I'm working with are are men and they are colorblind. Like a lot of them are colorblind and they're just like, yeah. I just need you to yeah. tell me like, does this and this go? And can you just put awesome. this together? Yes, I love it. <laughs> tell me, tell us what to do. Yeah, they're like, what color is this? And, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's the cell is really it, it's mind blowing. They basically brought in uh, eight. Eight or 16 subjects, eight male identifying, eight female identifying subjects. And they looked at the whole rainbow, the whole spectrum and the human visible range, which is from about 380 nanometers, which is what we perceive as the edge of uh, violet, so ultraviolet. And uh, what's interesting is when you're a child pre-puberty, you actually can see further into the ultraviolet range. So it's something I like to, wow. it's a little tidbit I like to tell people, but when you were a child, if you remember colors seeming brighter and exactly. more intense and saturated. That was because your eyes could literally see further into the ultraviolet range. And then when we hit puberty, our lenses discolor a little bit because of the hormonal change and we lose that ability. So colors become a little bit more desaturated. So, oh my God. You can, your brain still remembers. <laughs> Isn't that my word? That's amazing. So, but yeah, we, we brought in uh, healthy adults. So they, they were at 380, sort of on the edge of ultraviolet up to 780, which is on the edge of infrared. And they had, uh, I think it was something like 16 different colors that they looked at and they found, and then they took uh, blood samples before and after to look at melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. So this study happened at night when people would normally be asleep. Wow. And they looked at the sleep hormone and they found that the blue light actually suppressed uh, the sleep hormone at a high enough intensity. And that's what they were like, wait, none of the red, green and the blue cones don't affect melatonin. And uh, this has nothing to do with the rods. The rod cells peak at green. So like nothing we know peaks at blue. So there has to be something, some kind of cell in there that peaks at blue. And then they found that it connects to the circadian system and it has a whole crazy pathway, like an ancient pathway that goes through your spine and directly up into your pineal gland in the center of your brain, which the pineal gland has a lot of mystical significance as your third eye, mm -hmm. you know, if you've heard it talk yeah. about that. But it directly, it is the gland that secretes our sleep hormone melatonin. So then we were like, wow, blue light is everywhere at night. This has to be affecting us. So then we worked with other labs who did studies on light at night, affecting uh, increasing risk of breast cancer and prostate cancer and nurses and people who like third shift workers. So now we understand light. You know, when 25 years ago or when we were kids, light was just something you turned on and off and it was like, I can see where it's dark. And now we know that light is like a drug and it affects our sleep cycles. It affects our moods, um, you know, our ability to learn better, all kinds of stuff. And so we're seeing it finally after two decades of me being in this field, I'm, I'm, it's just trickling down everywhere. It's on our phones. Our phones change color yeah. at night to help pull out the blue. 
And you're talking about warm dim and all this technology is based on this research that we did two decades ago. So that's about as long as it takes for something to go from a tiny research lab <laughs> out into oh, out my of, God. Out the world. But it's it's amazing. And and what what is really cool to bring it back around is it it's just bringing us back to what our ancestors already knew, mm-hmm. which is that, and also what we're adapted to, which is we're adapted to fire at night. Like things that have blue light, blue light is blue sky. And when our body sees blue sky, it's daytime. So we want warm colors at night. We want dim light at night, stuff that we're adapted to. So yeah, absolutely. I just love how full circle that went with you, like in all these research labs and doing all this work. And then here I am, like taking that <laughs> technology and putting it into yeah, into exactly. And, and the designers are running with it, and you're you're doing beautiful things. I, I've seen just beautiful spaces, and they're becoming more natural in a way. They're intelligent. They're uh, simulating day during the day mm-hmm. and simulating more warmer kind of firelight or candlelight at night. And uh, you know that's just sort of gets me back into my obsession of candles. So maybe someday we'll work on LED lighting. We'll do like a Mithras candle, but it will have an LED light in it or something. <laughs> Some people live in condos and they can't burn candles. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they but, have like those um, those battery ones where they, they have this flicker that it, like the light reflects on the flicker and it moves, which... Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, or yeah. they use like a, a little fabric that's blowing yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's pretty funny. And same thing with like... We'll probably the, just make the real one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in those places that it's like, we can't have fire in here. And I'm like, ah, that drives me crazy. I know. Yeah, and again, it speaks to the regulation and I totally understand why they're there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. We'll just adapt if we have to. If we have to start making half candles, <laughs> half LED lights, Hopefully we'll, that we'll won't, do it. Hopefully that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, it's just amazing. And I just love connecting with this fire element and these candles. And like I said, it's just bringing it into our homes. It's, to me, it's just so important to create these ambiances and um, these spaces that are so sacred. And, you know, when you have something like, like your... Um, your candles. Um, speaking of, you had a black candle uh, there, which how yep. and you're you're dyeing that with. Yep. Uh, yeah. So this is a vegetable based dye, and it actually came about because of your state's awesome and strict environmental standards. So candle dyes in the U.S. up until about four years ago were used uh, petroleum extracts like naphthalene, Mm -hmm. which were not good to burn, but people were still using them in candles. So it was sort of the only way to get the dye. I was, when we started thinking about dyeing beeswax, we looked into it about five years ago and the only place to get it was in Europe that was already thinking about these things. Like let's only put stuff in our homes that doesn't give us cancer. Like Mm -hmm. let's try that. (laughs) And then California started to look to Europe for their environmental standards. And then lo and behold, like four years ago, uh, I started seeing uh, dye that was vegetable based and not using uh, dangerous distillates. And and so I got it from there and now I can get it on the East Coast. And we we use that. Now I do have friends that make their own. Uh They soak materials in the beeswax and I love that. But also it's so time consuming. And so we kind of have to meet in the middle and work with a company that does it for us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're incredible. Um, and then I also saw that you made a very special witch wave purple candle for PM. Yeah, I don't actually have any <laughs> on me anymore. Uh, we're about to start production uh, actually tomorrow. And we're g- I'm just going to be pushing hard for a week. We have about 300 to make. Wow. So that's going to be nuts. Yeah. yeah, that's from our same company. Uh, they have a range of colors. And it is something we, we would love to, to expand into yeah. the full spectrum of color. 
because a lot of people use, you speak about intention mm -hmm. and people work with uh, ritual and magic and they have very specific colors for specific things. And we do get that request and the demand is very high. So that's, I see that as uh, sort of where we're going. Yeah. If we get to that point where we're talking about that, that's sort <laughs> of, that's our goal is to have a, a full spectrum and just give people more tools yeah. to use candles as they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and another thing I wanted to talk to you about before we go is just some candle tips and how do we take care of these candles and how do we keep them alive and how do we yeah. keep them from, you know, withering away or dying or not lighting again. And you've had some beautiful um, videos about that as well. Yeah, Candle Care 101. And every time someone buys a candle from us, we give them uh, this little booklet called Wick, Wax and Flame. And this was co-designed with um, Fiddler's Green, who's based out of Berkeley, uh, the Bay Area. And uh, that's Clint Marsh and his family, and they're great. And they helped us make this little booklet because this knowledge is really important. A lot of people think a candle is a relatively easy technology. You just light it and then you blow it out. And now that is true with small candles, like birthday candles and even tapers. Their diameter is so small that you can light it. The wick has a real easy time pulling in the material, turning it in the fire, you can blow it out. and there's not much of it, so it works in generally pretty well. But when you have a pillar like this, or even this size, one of the things you might notice is if the flame sort of gets weak, uh, there's a couple tips and tricks to make sure that your flame is healthy, your flame size is healthy, and also, also your, um, your wick pool. So one thing you never wanna do with beeswax because it has a high melting point is blow out the candle. Okay. What happens when you blow out the candle is the wick, all the material in the wick starts to uh, smolder. And all the wick, the cotton fibers in the wick that actually you need them healthy to pull the material up into the flame, they carbonize, they turn into charcoal. Uh, so okay. what you wanna do um, is dip the wick into the flame like that. And there's a lot less smoke. Mm -hmm. So you just sort of dip, you use something to push the wick down in. And it's a smokeless way to extinguish the candle. And it also, not only does it keep that material from smoldering, but it sort of gives it a little bit of wax coating so that it's easier to light the next time around. So that's the first tip is to never blow out your candle, but to dip it. And then awesome. the second tip is to, I'm gonna relight this, do what's called hugging. As you can see, we have this lip around the edge of the candle and this technique is called hugging. And what you wanna do is push the outer walls as, as the wax pull increases, the outer walls get soft and you push them down and in, and we have examples of this on our Instagram. Okay, perfect. You just push the wall down and in towards the flame. And so it kind of looks a little bit like a dumpling or something yeah. that's folded. And uh, and what you do when you do that is you, you control the flame size, it gets a little bit smaller and you help with the wax pull and you also burn all the material. You're kind of turning the candle inside out. Got it. So instead of, some people really like turning their pillars into lanterns and that's fine but you also might get to the point where the candle has trouble lighting. Right. So we recommend that people do this because they get about 20% more burn time from their candle and they get to interact with it in this cool way. It's really it, fun doing it. that. <laughs> it's doing it last night yeah. and my kids are like, what are you doing? <laughs> nice. You're like, I'm just uh, hugging the candle. Yeah, exactly. They're like, you're <laughs> so playing with fire. Tip. And also, <laughs> yep. If your wick gets too long, just trim it okay. too. Uh, and how long should the wick be? You can, uh, in general, anywhere from like uh, around a quarter to a third of an inch. Okay. Some people like a really big flame and I'm not going to argue with that. Just be careful. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
always be careful. And you could do this technique with all with all candles. It's not just the beeswax. Yep. Not just beeswax, although with beeswax, you really you, you really have to because it has a higher melting point, so it's a little tricky. Got it. Uh, wicks can get clogged easily if you blow it out. Okay, cool. Yay, well, thank you for that. Um, and then I also have, you know, a few, few questions here. Um, wanting to know what's sacred sure. for you right now. Is there anything that you're really, like, holding tight or you're really connecting with? Uh, just becoming a father. Uh, we, I just did a post about this, but we did a blessing a baby blessing for a boy that we're expecting. And uh, everyone stood in a circle and Sochi passed out these Jasper beads and people sort of held them with mm -hmm. intention. And these were like elders on both sides of the family and kids. And it just, it really wow. touched me in a way. I, wow. I've never experienced anything like it. And just for my partner to do that for me as a father uh, and have other dads come out and talk about their experience fathering, it was incredible. So. That was a really big spiritual experience that just happened this past Sunday. So really? I, I'm really just holding that in my heart and I'm wearing this talisman that they made me to be ready when baby comes in a couple of weeks. Yes. I know I can never truly be ready, but I feel, <laughs> I just feel held. Yeah, you know? I feel supported. Like held by them. Ugh, yeah, supported. So beautiful. Yes, I saw your post, that was gorgeous. I didn't realize it was for you. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then if people are curious, we do have an altar back here. It's pretty bare bones, but I just do, I come in here and just do a little meditation ritual when I first enter to kind of hold space and clear my head and center before I begin the work. Cause I think of this as sacred work. It is for sure. And you know, we were just talking about intention and, and that was the next question is like, what's your ritual that you're practicing right now? And I love that you do that every morning or, or when you come into your studio and you're connecting with, with that energy and, and everything is intentional. Yep. It's uh, specifically, it's the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, okay. which sort of comes out of Wicca and a little bit of out of ritual magic, uh, some Thalema crawly stuff. Uh, I didn't expect to like that, but I heard it was something you could do relatively quickly. I know uh -huh. that sounds like a cop out, but it's pretty <laughs> short. It could be longer if you want, yeah, yeah. but, and you can just do it every day. And I, I needed something like that, that was consistent and relatively short and Beautiful. Yeah, so. yeah, and showing up for it and, and yeah, holding yourself accountable. That's rad. <laughs> Anytime <Thank> <laughs> we can get that. <laughs> like all for Yeah, it. I mean as parent as a parent, you must know it's like hard to find that time. So Yeah, my mornings are, are sacred time for sure. I, I do my walk, a little bit of a meditation, do whatever I can get into that that little time frame and then after that it's like go time frame. So <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then um Next question is, we, we touched a little bit about this, uh, but what's what's next for Mithras? What's, I know you talked about, you know, different colors in the, in the candles, but what else do you see coming and, and expanding if you are in that zone? And Oh, we definitely, uh, we love doing little collaborations. This is a local ceramicist that we collaborate with. Uh, we only have one glass vessel that we do, so we love working with other people who use their hands and hand make stuff and doing vessel candles with them. So just a lot, I see more collaborations like the Witch Wave collaboration. Uh, artist, occult artist, Jesse Bransford, who actually carves into the candles. He's gonna be doing uh, those sort of really intentional, almost like totemic candles for us on the regular. Wow. And uh, we're gonna hopefully have a big ex push for expansion at the end of this year, or early next year to try to even uh, to fill out our space with more equipment so we can do more colors. I really would love, love to do that. So yes. crossing fingers. Yes, 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 yes. 
And then how can um, our listeners get in touch with you? How can they, you know, bring some of these candles into their home and incorporate this this ancient fire into their lives? Uh, the best way to reach me is either uh, on Instagram. You can find us. We're at Mithras Candle, M-I-T-H-R-A-S uh, Candle. And we're also at MithrasCandle.com. And you can just reach me, uh, Ben, at MithrasCandle.com, and I'll get back to you. That's and, amazing. Yeah. I love that you're so approachable. <laughs> and then people can just connect no, with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe after baby, I'll be like, no more DMs. Yeah, done. <laughs> but right now, yeah. And sometimes, it, depending on what's going on, I, it might be a few days, but I always try yeah. to get back to people within a few days. So Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your craft and and the the connection. I love the connection between the science and, and the ancient wisdom. And I just think that's so cool. I'm always, I'm feeling, I'm always torn in, in those worlds. So it's beautiful to have somebody else to kind of connect with and <laughs> live in the, these Yeah, spaces. I think more of us need to come out of the closet and just be like, hey. Yes. I'm a witch. And I think there's a lot of <laughs> people. Okay. Yes, I feel it. I'm like, come on, people. Let's 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 yeah. let's gather. Because once I start talking to it, especially even with my clients, I'll start saying something and then they're like, wait, what? And they're 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 like, you know, and they're like, I need all of it. So it's it's really cool. Awesome. I love that people are into it. Yes, yes, yes. And we'll just keep bringing them out and and uh yep. moving forward. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much. Cool. Thank you, Rachel. You have been listening to Bewitching the Home. Special thank you to all my Patreon members. Without you, this show would not be possible. Music composition by Ken Seth Thibodeau. Editing by Marcy Ferry. And special assistance by Blake Ferris. If you like what you're listening to, please hit the subscribe button. And if you want to support us even more, please join me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bewitching. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Lorraine, L-A-R-R-A-I-N-E, and find out more information about the podcast on the website, bewitchingthehome.com.